Good morning. Good morning. It's good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service. And y'all gonna have to bear with me today. My sinuses is just a draining. So the uh trying to bring water up here, try to keep it all cleared out. Oh Melissa's water rather. She graciously here drink this. <laughs> all right. That's right. That's right. Well, right, this morning I want us to start in the Old Testament. A, uh, a lesson we have learned, uh, studied many times over and again. What a wonderful time and opportunity to, to learn from it yet again. So let's open to the book of Jonah. Jonah tells of a wonderful encounter applicable to you and I today. As so many folks do, the first thing that Jonah decides to do, as we step through, we'll have to kind of go through rather quickly I have a lot of lot to speak about, so we'll jump off in it first thing already. <clears throat> to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, and verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to, Tar to, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. All right, the first three verses, we see some things happening here. We see Nineveh. We see the actions of Nineveh and the Lord seeing those actions and then needing a, a, a kick to the rear, and if you will. You ever heard that term before? Need a, a wake-up call or a, or a redirection. That's what they needed. In the absence of this redirection, what does what does wickedness result in the power of God, in the mind of God, and the judgment of God? It requi requires damnation. When we think about that. So the Lord turns to Jonah, and He gives instructions to Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell them the wickedness has sprung up before Him, and they're guilty of it. And needs some course correction, <clears throat> but Jonah does the one thing that he shouldn't have done. He does the one thing that so many people today decide to do. He tries to get away from God. He tries to flee. He says, well, God can't get to me here. I'm going to just remove God altogether. We see that happening more and more in the world. Folks, we can't get away from God. We can't get away from His eyes. He sees and knows and thinks all. This is the very being that had everything created. So we think about that being. Our Heavenly Father. Jonah is trying to run away from him. So he makes a decision to, to, to go to Tarshish. And he finds a ship, of course. He pays his fare and he goes into the ship to go with them. But the story doesn't stop there. It moves on a little further. <clears throat> There's a storm in the sea in verses 4 through 9. So these sailors are sailors are pretty superstitious. I will say that. Then and, and now as well. So whenever this storm arose, they decided to lighten the load. They, they thought they was going to perish. They thought they were going to die out there in this ocean. And they start to realize, what? Well, ask the question, so what have we done? 
What have we done to cause this great trouble to come upon us in verse 8? But before that, we see what Jonah is doing. Let's pick up in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. And the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw, his, threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone into the lowest part of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Imagine that, right? <clears throat> then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? So he said to them, I, in the Hebrew, I fear the Lord of God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> Stop right there in verse 9. Jonah makes a statement that the majority of people make today. Did you see what he said? Or did you see what statement that he just made? You know, if we fear the Lord, what are we going to do? We're going to try to run away from it. We're going to try to make our own pathway. If we really fear the Lord and understand what this fear means, and I don't mean the fear to crawl under a rock. That's not what I'm talking about. The fear is to recognize that this God that we're talking about is able to destroy your soul. He's able to do this. And he will do this to some forever. Destruction, that is. So we see Jonah making the statement, says, I fear the Lord of God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. If he really feared God, what would he have done in verse 3? Okay, God, I'll go. That's what fearing God means. Fearing God is take action when action is needed. When God tells you to do something, go do it. When God, God tells you to not do something, don't do it. That's what fearing God means. I see a sign on the, 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 the billboards on, in church parking lots, whatever, on the side of the road. <clears throat> it said, Salvation comes upon all those who call on the name of the Lord. I agree to that statement. Now what Jonah is doing here is not calling on the name of the Lord. He says he is obedient. He says, I fear God. No, if you fear God, you would do what He told you to do. That's what fearing, that's what calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord is not saying, I'm a Christian. That is not what that is. Calling on the name of the Lord is not just saying His name. Calling on the name of the Lord is to put action of His Word into your everyday walk of life. That's what calling on the name of the Lord is. The reason that statement says salvation comes to all who call on the name of the Lord. I agree to that statement. I disagree with the abuse of that statement. Because the abuse of that statement says... Well, I can go live how I want to. I can just call myself a Christian. I can come to God only when I need Him. And there's a song out there. And every time I hear it now, I turn it off. Because He prays to God only when He needs Him. What? I heard that song. I was like, what? 
What kind of false statement is that making to the mass public? All I can do is call on God when I need to? No, you need to talk to God all the time. That's right, Brother Mark. Continuously, our scriptures tell us, God's instruction is for us to continually have a state of prayer or be in a state of prayer. Pray without ceasing. <clears throat> and that is very possible for Jesus gave us the example. So back to Jonah. When that lot fell on him, and he tells them, now, I'm a Hebrew and I fear, I fear the Lord who made the land and the sea. No, you don't, Jonah. No, you don't. You can say that, but you do not. Then the men were exceedingly afraid in verse 10 and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord, saying, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Verse 14 happens today so much as well, even unto this day. What's the example there? That anyone and everyone can talk to God. What are you saying, Jeremy? What, what, what did you just say? I'm saying this. John 14, 6, we were very well reminded that we can only get to God if we go through Christ. Did these men trust in the Lord? They said that back here it's just, uh, that they were praying to their own gods. Did they not? Their gods in verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid because of the tempest saving. Every man cried out to his God. And if, you, if, you, if your Bible ever uppercase or capitalizes anytime God the Son, God the Father, or God the Holy Spirit is ever referenced as capitalized, this one is not. Why? Because they didn't believe in God the Father. They did not trust in the Lord. They did not fear the Lord. They were lost. So here they're praying to this God of the Hebrews. Because it's capitalized. They're referring to the Father. Well, this God that you're referring to, Jonah, you're trying to escape the presence of, which is impossible. We're going to talk to him. We're going to ask for forgiveness. And don't, this innocent man's blood, don't put it up on us. I think they should have been worried about their own blood. There's a lot of wrong going on here in this early part of this chapter. A lot. The 14 applies to a whole bunch of folks even to this day. I've witnessed it. You've witnessed it. I speak up against it. I hope you do as well. To folks praying to God, thinking that prayer is reaching the ears of the Father without Christ in their life. I hope we instruct them that says, hey, that's not, that didn't even go past the rafters. You're wasting your breath. And they get, they're going to give you a funny look. What do you mean? Doesn't God hear all prayers? All prayers? Does He answer all prayers? No, He does not. Because your sins and your iniquities have separated you from God. We made mention this morning of being redeemed in Bible class. We made a mention of reconciliation this morning in Bible class. 
Reconciliation must happen. You must come back to God as Jonah is going to eventually do, realizing his sad state, but we're going to have to hurry up to get there. So here we see a lot going on wrong already. <clears throat> and in verse 15, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. This was an incident. This was an incident to be remembered by these men. To say, wow, we was about to die. We had to do something, and now we're not perishing anymore. By throwing one man, a sacrificial man, into the waters. You're seeing a, a type there? An anti-type being Christ, being our sacrificial person upon that cross? These men's type was Jonah being cast into the sea and being saved from death at this point. So they feared the Lord. What is that saying? They recognized they needed to change. That this God that they had tried to speak to before, that's the one they need to talk to continuously. And I wish, it is my solemn prayer, that, I, that the masses would come to God in a right way. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now here's the misconception. Here's the, the argumentative statement on this. You mean to tell me that God sent... I know the misconception is a whale, but it does not say a whale. It says a great fish. So it's, God sent this great fish to eat Jonah. And he stayed in there for three days and three nights. How is that possible in the belly of a fish? How are you going to breathe that long? This is the power of God, folks. This is the power of God to turn Jonah away from what he was doing to say, I'm fearing God. I fear him. I fear him. He was not hurt. At this point, he's starting to wake up as this great fish swallows Jonah. In a matter of speaking, we think about if God had not sinned if, if God had not sent that great fish, Jonah would have drowned. He would have drowned and his journey would have been over. That's not a loving God, is it? This would not, if the story we were telling stopped there as those men throwed him into the sea and Jonah ended, well, what lesson have we learned? We haven't learned any lesson. But the lesson is going to be learned. Chapter 2, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, from the fish's belly and he said I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he, <clears throat> and he answered me out of the valley of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me and your billows and your waves passed over me and I said I have been cast out of your sight again he realizes where he's at I will look again toward your holy temple Again, starting to realize he needed to turn away. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep circle around me, closed around me. Weeds are wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God, <clears throat> when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into the holy temple those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. 
But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You see some repentance there from Jonah? You see some turning away from his sad, depraved state? The reason why I say that is the world is a sad and depraved state. Those who falsely worship God are in a sad and depraved state. Destruction is upon them. So we see Jonah realizing destruction is upon him. He realized where he's at. He shouldn't be there if he really and actually feared the Lord. So here he says, it's my mission. It's my mission to put God first. It's my mission to turn back to Him. And I'm going to pay what I have vowed. What is that vow? To be in the service of God. You and I as children of God, we made a vow when we went, went into those waters. You know what that vow was? The same vow to worship and serve a heavenly Father. You need to remember that. Where's Jonah at this time when he's making his prayer? He's dying. He's, he's, he's perishing in the belly of this fish. How long are you going to survive without food and water? Not long. He stayed in this fish for three days and three nights, did he not? <clears throat> Keep in mind this fish is there because the Lord sent it. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah unto dry land in verse 10. <coughs> Excuse me, I gotta get a drink. <coughs> Excuse me. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Let's stop right there in verse 4. So God sends this fish to swallow Jonah, actually to save him from being drowned. Jonah realizing where he's at, he, he don't have to be there. The choices that he's made, that's the reason why he's here. So he says to the Lord, I'm, I'm going to rededicate myself. I'm going to refocus. God sees this change. He sees this repentance. He sees this, the, the exit from sinfulness. So what does God say? He gives him a second chance. Second chance. <clears throat> He says this, Go to Nineveh. Tell them their wickedness has come up before me and tell them to repent. That's what he tells me. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. What's that message that God tells people? What's, what's the will of God? Let me ask that real quick. That all men everywhere should come to repentance? Okay, so this is the message that Jonah was going to go give to Nineveh. A three days journey, which is a pretty large city. So as he enters into the first day's walk in verse 4, a third of the way into the city, this is what Jonah says. <clears throat> yet he cried out and said in the rest of verse 4, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Folks, that's eight words. Eight words. How difficult was it to speak eight words? I've spoken more eight words than 
the past, what, 10 seconds. It's not that hard to speak eight words, is it? It's not that hard. So Jonah speaks these eight words. Arise. He says, yet 40 days, and then of us shall be overthrown. That's what he said. <clears throat> How, not that difficult, first off. Third way of the journey. So the people of Nineveh believed God in verse 5, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. <clears throat> then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. <clears throat> and it caused, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published <clears throat> throughout Nineveh by the <clears throat> decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything, nor let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Before we read verse 10, look what happens. From the result of eight words being spoken, because God is with Jonah, and Jonah is with God. Eight words spoken in the whole city, the whole city, fairly large city. King, all the way up to the king, believed and trusted in God and relented from doing their evil works anymore. So God seen, saw their works in verse 10, that they should turn from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. <clears throat> What's the power of repentance? What's the power of your word in the world when you're walking with God? Not trying to run away. When you see God's instructions and you don't do them, you're just like Jonah in the beginning of this lesson. I'm going to go. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get away from God. He can't do that because he's all and in all. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to try to get away. Well, <clears throat> that great fish might very well be sent. Not physically, not actually. But spiritually speaking, so much more. When you look at the Word and you see the instructions from your Heavenly Father, and you see the results of not following those instructions, that's like God sending a great fish to say, this is where you're going to go. This is the result of disobedience. For Christ Himself says it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Jonah thought he thought he, he he thought he feared the Lord. He said, he said, I fear the Lord. No, you don't. If you really feared the Lord, you would have went straight to Nineveh as soon as God told you the first time. You think you feared the Lord after that great fish swallowed him up after those three days? And he started his spiritual walk to Nineveh. Okay, you think you think he was he hesitated? You think he hesitated going? No, he went straight away. I'm going right now. 
I'm not going to hesitate anymore. You and I need to look at ourselves. We need to make sure we're going straight way. We make sure we're going right now to do the service, to do the will of God. We see some things happening in Jonah. We see some disobedience. We see some misinstructions. We see some turnings. We see some getting rights, if you will. Because there were multiple folks getting right in the eyes of God. Those men in the boat, realizing what had just happened, and they made vows. They trusted in the Lord. They, they feared Him. And Jonah, speaking eight words, he turned away from his sad and depraved state and an entire city of Nineveh turned from their evil works and God did not destroy them. 1 Peter chapter 4 and I'm going to close. 1 Peter chapter 4 starting in verse 7. So we see Jonah turning away from his running away and he begins to walk with God, spoke eight words. Previous to this, those men who were in the, in the boat, they turned away from their, their misconception of who God was and started to fear the Lord. <clears throat> Jonah himself turned away from his running away, walking with God, and the entire city of Nineveh ended their evil works. So as you and I must be aware of this particular thing that's going to happen the end of all things, which is the words that we're going to read right now. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Let each one, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, and if anyone speaks, let him speak as oracles of God. Again, with God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with as an ability with God supplies. Again, with God, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today, God sends a warning. That warning is this. Heaven is not going to be present. And not everyone is going to be present in heaven. Heaven's not designed for everyone. How can you say that? Isn't it God's will that everyone should turn from their evil ways and be connected to Him and, and uh, receive this inheritance? It is. But the masses are not going to do so. The reason why I say that as wide and broad is that gate that leads to destruction and many, many are going to be who go into that gate. But the pathway that leads to everlasting life, few are going to find it because it's straight and it's narrow. It's difficult. It's not our way, it's God's way. Just as Jonah said in the beginning, it's not your way, God, it's my way. I'm out of here. God said, I don't think so. He gave Jonah a wake-up call. As we have realized that the end of all things is at hand in 1 Peter, 
Folks, salvation is nearer than this message began. It's nearer than it was 10 minutes ago. We need to remember that because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to only reclaim those who are his and only those who are his is going to have access to heaven. All the others have to endure torment. Don't endure torment. The reason why they have to endure torment is because sin is in their lives. Depart from sin. Depart from iniquity. Come back to God with repentance. If not, baptism. And if done so already, to know that, that your faithful service does not stop there. It actually begins with your spiritual walk. But thankfully, we have a loving God whenever we sin, we fall short after immersion. He welcomes us to come back. Just as he did Jonah, he encouraged him. He offered him that second opportunity to go do what he told him to do in the first place. And he done it. And God restored him. God will restore you this morning if repentance needs to happen. So why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.